Welcome to the Aquarian Living Podcast. I am Naomi Richardson, your host. I am a Kundalini Yoga teacher, life and meditation coach, and I am here to create a connection with others who live mindfully through the practice of Kundalini Yoga, wellness, and spirituality. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode seven. Um, it's been a crazy two weeks. Uh, my son has been really sick. Um, and now his dad is sick and I have been preparing myself so I don't get sick, but I can just feel my body fighting something. Something totally wants to come through. So hopefully I will not get sick. Uh, Yesterday was my birthday and my best friend's birthday, and we have a spa day tomorrow scheduled, and every time we schedule something, it never works out, and I'm so trying to fight this sickness so we can go ahead with our spa day. It's actually going to be like three degrees tomorrow, but I don't care. Hopefully, it'll get warmer throughout the day, but I'm going to make our day happen uh, and, uh, yeah, it's been a crazy couple of weeks, just a lot going on. I don't know if everybody's feeling the energy. It's a new year, but it's kind of been crazy. Not a bad start to the year, but things I can tell this year aren't going to be totally easy going. It's going to be better than last year, but I kind of had this feeling that, you know, Things are still going to be a challenge. Um, we're thinking about some changes and yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but that's been my experience in the last couple of weeks. Things have been crazy. Um, so that's my little update. Been meditating, haven't been doing yoga, but my meditation has been strong. Um, haven't been reading as much. Uh, yeah, I've been a little bit off, but, uh, hopefully in these next couple weeks, I'll come back strong. Um, but yes, literally the other day it was 70 degrees and then the next day it snowed on my birthday. So things have just been crazy, but let's move on to today's episode. Um, I'm sitting down with Rachel Zalea and... I met her at a Kundalini Yoga Level 2 training, and I reached out to her for one of her businesses, but she's actually no longer doing that business, So, but what she's doing now is even better, so I was very honored to sit down with her and learn more about her journey and how this idea came about, and I hope you all enjoy it, and look forward to it in the future. It was such an honor to sit down with her and it was such a good conversation. So let's go ahead and get started. I hope you enjoy it. Okay. Hi everyone. I am here with Rachel Zela Zelaya. Zelaya. Sorry. I think I spelled it wrong on here. Um, she's a Kundalini yoga teacher, um, a registered psychotherapist, and she created the Adi Shakti Kundalini Yoga Center. And has created a Kundalini Yoga 12-step recovery program. Hi, Rachel. 
Hi, Naomi. <laughs> Satnam. Satnam. So good to see you. Uh, we'll give you, her and I met um, a couple years ago at one of our Kundalini level two, um, um, what are they called? Level two trainings. Trainings. Mind, mind and <laughs> yeah. meditation. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And that was one of the hardest times of my life yeah yeah yeah. that one was really powerful I went through some changes Mm -hmm. then so it was really great and you were in my group and we contacted afterwards and that was really great that was a really good turning point in my life it was hard but it was good yeah Yeah, so how have you been since I've seen you um yeah so I think that was 2018 Mm -hmm. I want to say like March the beginning yeah um and yeah lots of change since then um just following the breadcrumbs and um trusting the flow and the process so some things have left and um last year 2019 was a really difficult year for me um just personally um a death in the family and my son my only son graduating mm. from high school and deciding to go to college far away in New oh. York State. And um, so there was a lot of loss and letting go and going through menopause and uh, lots of like emotional stuff around that that I had no idea. Um, so it was kind of a crisis year for me. And, um, you know, thinking back on it, it's it putting in a framework of like... Um, kind of a phoenix rising like mm-hmm. rebirth I had to go through this death of um, a lot of change and letting go I remember a friend likened it to um, a willow tree and I love willow trees mm. I have one in my backyard and she said when a willow tree dies it falls over and then the new sprout like comes up right in the same place and yeah so I wasn't sure if there was going to be a new sprout actually <laughs> it yeah. felt like it was all about death and and letting go um, but this year feels like it's a rebirth and I'm getting clearer on what I want to focus on and um I feel really good. Good. I felt the same about 2019. It was rough. I was in a dark place. Um, I talk about it in the other episodes. I uh, stopped doing Kundalini Mm -hmm. through that too. So, Mm -hmm. but then I came back and Mm -hmm. things started looking better. But yeah, this year feels different. I don't think it's going to be easy. Yeah. Like everybody's like, woohoo, a new year start completely fresh. I'm like, oh, it's not going to be easy. But I feel feel different because I think I'm in perimenopause Uh yes and it's just like I'm a wreck totally I saw a (laughs) I I took a little like online training on what is menopause because like nobody tells you about it no one doctors don't like have anything useful to say and so um I have a friend who's a midwife and she created this little webinar on what is perimenopause and menopause and one of the slides that she created was like (laughs) Um, well, it was like what a woman's um, hormonal cycle looks like. And it's so these like peaks and valleys and peaks and valleys. And it's pretty regular, you know. And then menopause, it's like somebody took a crayon and just scribbled all over the whole thing. Because <laughs> totally. our hormones are just totally out of control, totally out and of whack. And it's not fair. So... <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, I've been researching this. There's this great book called The New Menopause Years and um, by Susan Weed. And she talks about how 
menopause is when the kundalini really has a chance to mm-hmm. um, rise up because we're not losing our energy in reproduction or menstrual flow any longer. We're holding our energy in mm-hmm. and all of the hot flashes are, are kundalini flashes. What a beautiful way to look at it. So we're, we're finding our power mm-hmm. at this time. And I love that. Yeah. What is the book again? It's called The New Menopause Years. Okay. I'm definitely getting Susan that. Weed. And wow. she's got lots of great stuff about how to take care of yourself emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. Um, she talks about a Crohn's year away and like how as we're like entering menopause to really find time to ourselves and like quiet. Mm-hmm. Now it's hard if you have a younger child, you know, mm-hmm. traditionally like we're done with. But you know, divorce raising. gave me mm, time. <laughs> gave me time. The do- yeah. divorce was horrible, but like mm-hmm. I, now I have space for myself, yeah. which is nice. Like at first I was like, how am I going to get like not having 50% of the time. And like, I get to nurture myself now. And that's how I look at it. I'm like, I get that time for myself. So it's actually been really good. So that's, I love that. I'm definitely going to get that book. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, usually how I start is we talk a little bit about childhood or just how you got into Kundalini, Mm -hmm. like your spiritual journey Mm -hmm. into Kundalini. I just like to know if people were, um, you know, came from a certain religion when they were younger and if they were spiritual when they were younger, like what was little Rachel doing when you were were a kid? Yeah. Well, (laughs) um, my parents didn't have any focus on religion at all. My mom was Catholic and my dad was Protestant and nobody ever went to church Mm -hmm. and it just wasn't a big deal. But we did live out in the middle of the woods in New Hampshire and I spent a lot of time by myself. I was an Mm -hmm. only child. We didn't have a TV. I didn't have any neighbors. I didn't have any cousins. Like it was just me outside. And so I would spend like hours and hours like climbing trees mm. or um, like there was this really mossy patch that I used to love to go to and just lie down. It was soft and there were trees overhead. And as much as New Hampshire was not very friendly to me on a like human level, the nature part of New Mm. Hampshire was really nurturing to my soul. Oh, I love that. So I think that was kind of like the beginning of me just having a lot of time to myself and and natural beauty, you know, Mm, like awoke my soul. Yeah, you were like with the earth. (laughs) Yeah, the earth and the sky and the the animals and the trees Mm -hmm. and Um, you know, when we talk about like the subtle body really being awakened by beauty, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of beauty around me. Um, so I would say that was kind of my first like spiritual Mm -hmm. moments. And then, um, Hmm. were you into yoga or? Yeah. Well, my mom was, um, she went through a midlife crisis when I was like 11 Mm-hmm. and she started doing yoga mm-hmm. and she brought me to this woman. We went to this woman's house, Connie mm-hmm. and <laughs> Connie would do private lessons with my mom. And she gave me a private lesson. She taught me sun salutations mm-hmm. when I was 12. And I literally did sun salutations every single day of my life until I found Kundalini yoga, basically. Oh, that's awesome. So yoga came in really early on, which was such a blessing and like some guided visualization around like imagining my whole body surrounded by like golden light. I like still remember that. Mm -hmm. And so I think about that, like when I work with younger girls Mm -hmm. teaching yoga, like 
oh, I just pray that like something is going to land for them and they're going to um, have something that really supports them in their life. Um, one of the things I did in 2019 was um, I went to Palestine and taught Kundalini yoga there to oh, um, wow. kids in the West Bank. Oh my gosh, awesome. And the highlight for me was working with these eighth grade girls mm. who are so stressed out. I mean, they're stressed out about the normal things like homework and high school and college. <sighs> and then on top of that, they live, um, you know, under occupation. And yeah. so to give them some wow. like, oh, self-care, like you can actually like put your hands on your heart and take some deep breaths and close your eyes. And that's all you have to do in this moment. Like, yeah. It was just like a revelation. So oh, wow. That's amazing. I just, yeah. So having had that experience of yoga really making a big difference in my in life. Early on. Yeah. I, I think that too, like Harvey, I had him really meditating there for a little while and it's kind of gone to the wayside and just the other day I was like, I need you to start meditating with me. Just like however long you want to. And they do it at his school too. His teacher nice. does it, which is awesome. So that's, I think that's kind of why I let it go. But I think if you start them young, even if they forget about it, they have something to come back to. And I think they always will come back to it if it's instilled, you know, and I'm sure when he's a bratty teenager, he'll probably be like, this is stupid. You're weird, you know, but like later on in life, he might really need it. And I think they'll come back to it. So I think that's really important. And you're so lucky to have that as a kid. Yeah, totally. Early. And, you know, I had a lot of, um, trauma when I was little, um, around, um, being bullied, Oh yeah. That's still a big issue. P- teachers and stuff think they have it all together because they took a course and, right. you know, it's, we've been very on top of that. Um, uh-huh. my ex-husband was bullied uh-huh. as a child uh-huh. and never talked to anybody about it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's like a huge thing. Were you able to talk to people about it? No, or how back did then, you deal? You know, I remember remember being surrounded by a group of kids who were like throwing things at me and yelling at me and calling me names. And the teacher on duty at recess was like literally looking the other direction. Like she just had no idea how to deal with it. And so it just was not addressed. And I mean, I think that it had some roots in, um, in addictive behavior, self-sabotaging, self-harming behavior. Oh, Absolutely. To be, you know, exiled by your peers and that longing to belong that we have and to feel safe and we have a community and we're loved and accepted. Like I didn't have any of that. So I went to some self-harming behaviors pretty early on, like around the same time that I found yoga, like I also went in these other directions too. Yeah. I'm sorry you had to go through that. I think, but the more I talk to people and just life coaching, it's, it was pretty common. Yeah. Um, in our upbringing. Yeah. Um, and it's really sad. And, you know, I know there's more awareness for it, but I think there need there needs to be more awareness, like more than there is because, and kids have to be able to talk and feel safe. And I think it has a lot to do with just, um, it's, it's so hard because it's not just the teachers, it's the parents too. When a kid comes home and they say something, a lot of people are like, you're okay. It's fine. Or they make excuses and they, you know, push it down. And, you know, I really try to talk to Harvey about it Mm -hmm. and have questions. And I want him to always be able to come to me, even if it really wasn't a bullying situation. Cause when they're younger, you know, it's always hard to tell too. Um, but just 
letting your child talk to you and feel safe about it because that's a huge thing too. So I've been the psycho mom that literally questions everything. <laughs> I go to the school and I'm like, what is this? What's going on? What? Oh, no, it's just that. Oh, okay. But I want to know. Definitely. So I, yeah. I was hyperventilating um, in third grade and they would just send me to the, to the nurse and stick a plat of paper bag over my mouth and have me breathe into the bag and then send me back to school. But nobody ever was like, why is a nine-year-old hyperventilating at school? Yeah. You're having anxiety, <laughs> yes. an anxiety attack. So a just, debilitating yeah. thing for a young child to go through. The eighties in New Hampshire was not a friendly time <laughs> for anybody. Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't yeah. think so. But you know, on the Did right you go to a side, small school? Well, I lived in a little tiny town of yeah. like 5,000 people. Yeah, yeah. So, But on the bright side, you know, not fitting in there um, made me look for situations where I did belong. And that brought me to Colorado, for instance. Yeah. Um, so it kind of pushed me out of the nest. Yeah. You know, a lot of the kids I went to elementary school with are probably still there. Oh, yeah. Working at the gas station. and That's always how it is. And that is not me, you know. Yeah. So... I see that blessing. I also see, um, I've since had to do a lot of healing work around, um, around the feminine and the divine feminine and focusing on the divine feminine. Cause I was so bullied by girls. Um. Like there was such a wounding there around the feminine. And so at a certain point, I would say like in my early thirties, I started really being curious about, um, like the goddess tradition and, um, and started like some women's circles and began a journey of healing that wounding around the feminine. And it's become like a huge focus in my career. I mm, yeah. run women's groups and most of my classes are just for women. And I'm a psychotherapist and I work mainly with mm -hmm. women. And so as much as I wouldn't wish bullying on anybody, the healing journey that it forced me to go on has, you know, given me um, some deeper insight and some more motivation. Mm -hmm. to... And I bet part of the healing process was forgiving. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, those poor <laughs> girls that like were so in so much pain themselves that they that's what it's had hard. to hurt somebody else, you know, at such yeah. a young age. And like... that's what I tell Harvey now. Anybody, even if he's like, so-and-so pushed me or he's real rough and he, you know, he hits me all the time. I'm like, well, someone probably does it to him, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. like he probably has an older brother that pushes yeah. him around or maybe his dad says like someone called him a, a piece of shit one day. They're in first grade oh and he was like, so freaked out by yeah. it. And I was like, who? Yeah. And I was like, well, someone probably said that to yeah. him or he heard someone call somebody yeah. else that yeah. like kids aren't innately bad. Like right. it comes from somewhere. So I try to explain to him that they're hurting or, yeah. you know, there's that deep, but when you're in it and it's happening to you, you want to be angry, but you have to go through all those levels of emotion to heal as well. So, so were you, were you an addict? Yeah. So I couldn't remember if yep. you were mm -hmm. a uh, had an addiction issue or someone close to you did. I remember talking all to you All of the it. above. All of the above, yes. Yeah, so um, when I was maybe 17, um, my therapist at the time mentioned the word codependency, and I read, read a book about it, and mm. I was like, oh, my God, that is horrible. That is me. Mm -hmm. So it had 
that the, the emotional and the relationship dysfunction was started early on. And then as far as substances, um, yeah, pretty much I just, as much as I could get my hands on, mm -hmm. um, there was uh, marijuana in our house. Um, and so I just started helping myself to that. Mm -hmm. Probably, I think that was eighth grade. Um, alcohol was definitely a big part of like the social scene. So I just gravitated towards yeah. the kids that were doing that sort of thing. And um, yeah, got myself into you know, some pretty dangerous situations. It's like pretty miraculous that I'm, I made it through mm -hmm. and, you know, I was very high functioning too. I went to a um, private prep school and got all A's and was on highest honor roll and got a um, scholarship and went to an Ivy league university oh, wow. and didn't do as much with that Ivy league university university educations yeah. I could have because yeah. I was focused on my boyfriend and partying. <laughs> so, you know, as I look back, it's, it's sad. Like it's unfortunate yeah. that that was my focus. Um, but I didn't really become aware of like, Oh, I might have a problem with addiction until I was 33 in my early thirties, mm, that, wow. that 11 year cycle. Yeah. Something was like, okay, you cannot do this anymore. You have yeah. a whole other, plan for in your life. And what did that look like? Was it a rock bottom or what did it look like? Um, yes, it was, it was actually, um, 12 years ago this month because it was, um, my, my birthday is January 19th and, um, and my sobriety date is January 22nd. Oh, wow. um, so it looked like me trying to control my drinking for a little while thinking I might have a problem. And, um, so trying to control it. And then on my birthday, I totally didn't. I had this giant binge and, um, all the control went out the window. And then I got this most terrible cold, like sickness, illness thing that I'd ever had. And it like lasted a month. Mm. And during that month, um, I didn't want to drink cause I was so miserable. And somebody suggested that I might have a problem with alcohol and I might want to consider going to AA meetings. And who was that person? Um, she was actually my Al-Anon sponsor. So um, I had been in Al-Anon because my husband, I married an addict. Oh, that I was going to say that a while back. Oh, like, yes. I think I remember on, this part. Yes. Early, like my first boyfriend was an addict. Mm -hmm. Like how did I choose, you know, of all of the like kids in my school, like the one I'm drawn to is like. Trauma bonding. The crazy, <laughs> you know, he threatened to commit suicide when I broke up with him. You know, he was just, he was abused by his grandparents, like I just mm -hmm. go, went right as a magnet, yeah. you know, to that kid. And, um, so I married an addict yeah. and, um, so, so I was in Al-Anon, um, and he was in AA and then, um, it became clear that I also had a, a problem with yeah. alcohol and substances. So that was, um, when I was 33 and, um, <clears throat> And then a year and a half later is when I found Kundalini Yoga. So there was, I needed to clean up my act before I was been ready for yeah. anything like Breath of Fire. Or, yeah, could you imagine? <laughs> I just can't imagine. Yeah, yeah. You know, getting up early to do sadhana, hungover. No, no. It's already hard enough to get up early, <laughs> never mind hungover. Yeah, well, you just wouldn't have done it. <laughs> exactly. No, I just wouldn't have done it. Yeah. So, so it all, you know, 
happened in the order it needed to happen in. Yeah, that was just your journey. It was my journey. Yeah, that's amazing. And so what was your journey? So what was your like first Kundalini? Was was it a weird experience? Like what? Yeah. Yeah. How did you find it? So I was um, I was about a year and a half sober and I was having a nervous breakdown. And um, I uh, was at an AA meeting and I'm um, crying. I had just been crying at every AA meeting I had been to for like weeks and weeks. And mm-hmm. this group of women, I, I went to the same group every Monday night and um, cried through the whole meeting. And at the end, they were like, this isn't okay. And they like circled up around me and we're like, this is kind of an intervention because we're really worried about you. And, um, it was a million things. It was my failing marriage. I had a really stressful job. I was a teacher and, um, just totally overwhelmed with Mm -hmm. teaching. And, and I, I look at it now as like, that was part of my Kundalini awakening was showing up as a nervous breakdown. Mm -hmm. Like I was emotionally out of control and everything was falling apart. Yeah. I had no idea what to do. And so um, that night, the group of women convinced me to take the next day off, like stay home from work, which I never did because I was a teacher <laughs> and you have to like show up. Be and there. You can't, yeah. you can't let anybody down. And But okay, so I took the day off and um, I went for a hike in the mountains, which was just so healing for me. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that connection with nature. And I went to my AA sponsor's house and she was like, hey, I'm going to a Kundalini yoga class. Do you want to come? And I had never been to Kundalini Yoga. I'd heard about it, but I'd always done Ashtanga. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'll try something new. <laughs> and that was my very first class. And we, I'm pretty sure we did God and Me, Me and God are One. Oh, cool. And I'm pretty sure we did Kirtan Kriya. And both of those just blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, this is what I've been looking for. <laughs> like, I've been needing a practice like this. Yeah. Um, and I just felt at home right away. Yeah, right away. Right away. Yeah. I just knew this was for me. Oh, awesome. So that was in 2009. And um, it just precipitated all these huge changes for me. Um, I pretty much within like two months, I left my husband. And um, that next summer after that, I did women's camp. I went down to mm. Espanola and did um, women's camp, which was amazing. I know. My, I still haven't done one. I oh need my to. God. I was thinking it's about really it this year. nourishing. And I brought my son. He was like eight at the time. Oh. And um, he went to kids camp. And um, that was great for him. He learned yeah. Kirtan Kriya and oh, got awesome. up early and took cold showers and mm. ate prasad and, you know, had the whole <laughs> yeah. experience. And um, And that next year at uh, I was I was still teaching, um, but I was really miserable still. Like I just, it was not the right way for me to be a teacher. I knew I needed to teach, but <laughs> I was just teaching the intellect. Yeah. And I needed to teach a whole person. And so I got through that year and at the... Um, and what were you teaching? I was teaching Latin. Oh, okay. I think I remember this now. Yeah, I was really interested in the ancient world and the origins of language and word roots and all that stuff. I thought was really interesting. And that's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Um, Cool. So uh, that winter, I I decided to take teacher training. Um, So that was January of 2011. So I was in training all that spring. And then at the end of... You have lots um, of 11s. 
I do. Your you were eleven when your mom was into yoga. Oh, your oh, yeah. teacher training, two thousand eleven. Yeah. Yeah. I've been noticing. I have an eleven in my numerology. Oh yeah, uh-huh. cool. Um, nineteen seventy four. <clears throat> That's me too. Oh. Yeah, eleven. <laughs> the embodiment. Yeah, being connected to all of our parts. Eleven's always been my thing. I had mm-hmm. it tattooed on my back when I used to be like a total partier. Like I have eleven <laughs> tattooed on my back. I, it's always been my number. And then yeah, it's weird when I found Kundalini. Yeah. I was like, there's all this eleven in yeah, it. Like there is. Yeah, it's doing everything for eleven minutes. And... Yep. So um... you were. Still yeah, teaching. So I, deci- so I was teaching. I was in teacher training. Um, I went in to see my principal for like an end of year review, and he was like, "You don't seem very happy here." I was like, "Oh no, it shows." I thought I was hiding it, and he was like, "We want you to come back next year, but you take a week and think about it and really feel into if this is the right thing for you." Yeah. So I took a week and I thought about it and was like, you know what, this is not the right thing for me. And I don't know what I'm going to do instead. I went to graduate school to teach Latin. So now what? Yeah. Um, but the universe like opened up a path for me to go to West Africa and teach Kundalini yoga to civil war refugees. And I brought my son and homeschooled him and we were in Liberia for three months and then came home in 2012 and um, opened up the Adi Shakti Kundalini Yoga Center of Boulder and just started teaching full-time pretty much as soon as I became, um, I did my certification, which I didn't know I was going to do that, but that's what the universe wanted me to do. Yeah. That's kind of how that works. Mm -hmm. I know I went to teacher training just because I just wanted to know everything. Yep. I was so new. I like did teacher training right away. I was like, I just want to know everything. I'm not going to ever teach. And then I taught, I've been kind of flaky with teaching. It just has been really hard with my schedule. Um, so I don't teach a class currently, but I still have the urge to teach. And now I'm doing it with my life coaching and I'm cool. going to do online stuff. And awesome. yeah, now that I came back to it, I'm like full on strong. Nice. There's nothing better. It's That's like awesome. my whole, yeah. it's my whole universe right now. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So that was your journey through addiction. So let's go ahead and um, segue into your, um, what you've created. Yeah. So um, I, it's my working theory that, um, my life's work has revealed itself to me and what I'm really going to focus on for the next, you know, whatever, 20, 30 years. <laughs> um, and it's this program called embodying the 12 steps kundalini yoga for recovery mm-hmm. and it's taking these two paths that saved my life 12 steps and kundalini yoga yeah. and putting them together such which... a good idea such a good idea. i remember when you told me about it in our training i was like yeah, oh. yeah. so nobody else has done that i know it's yeah it's such a good idea and it totally makes sense it makes so much sense and they're so complementary and so we're calling it embodying the 12 steps because it can't just be a head experience you Mm -hmm. can't just recover in your mind (laughs) like it's a whole physical spiritual emotional auric everything everything exactly all the energy bodies get involved and Yogi Bhajan and Kundalini Yoga just have so many amazing, powerful practices Mm -hmm. to help us heal from whatever the trauma is and the dysfunctional behavior and relationships. And 
So, um, so yeah, the two just married together so well. And so, um, it started, the idea came to me in 2015. I took, um, the super health training, which is, um, I still want to do that. Yoga for addiction and stress. And it was awesome. It was eight days, but there was, um, pretty much no mention of 12 step work. That's what I was wondering. I'm like, how does that work? Like, do I really need to take that? Yeah. I mean, it's an amazing program, Okay, but it's not a 12 step anything. Yeah. Like the woman who teaches it Mm -hmm. is not an addict or alcoholic herself. Mukta. 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 And so, you know, she's always got this like perspective of them. We're helping them, you know, the addicts. The like poor addicts. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Mukta. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, um, this is yeah. But it's a very us and them kind of yeah. thing. As teachers, or we're going to go help other people, mm-hmm. which is great. Which is great. But, but to come from this a little bit condescending, like I'm better than you, anything like that is just so off-putting. Mm-hmm. So um, that's where the idea was like, well, hey, wait a minute. What about twelve step? which has worked for like however many tens of millions of people have gotten clean and sober and healthy through this program. Mm -hmm. Why don't we talk more about that? But anyway, that's just not her thing. She did her thing. She's got her thing going. It's awesome. I totally use it with my clients, all of like the juicing and Mm -hmm. um, diet stuff is all really great. Um, I just feel like it's that it's that's (laughs) I'm overwhelmed with my thoughts. I can't talk. I mean, it's really hard for someone who's so far deep to do all those things. Yeah. You mean like the juicing and stuff? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. To be is. healthy. Because like, yeah. you know, in addiction, it like they just, most addicts just replace it with sugar. Sugar. <laughs> I mean, I was married to an yeah. addict and like he's just replaced it with yeah. sugar. I mean, I yeah. think he's a little bit better, but like he's not going to do that. He's not going to do juicing and stuff. I think that's a long way down the road for a lot of addicts. I don't know if you agree. Well, but for I'm me... working. I, I mean, I work with people who, um, who are newly sober and they've discovered Jamba juice, you know, it doesn't mean you have to go buy a juicer and buy all the stuff yourself. Like you can make yeah. a different choice with that's what you're true. putting in your body. That's true. They make, you can definitely do it in an easy way. Um, but yeah, it's just more that focus of like, I mean, juicing is a replacement for, um, true. Another habit. Yeah. 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 So yeah, each person is going to have their own yeah. way. And that's yeah. why you just like present 20 <laughs> tools yeah. and see who, what's going to be work in their life yeah. and make it as accessible as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that was 2015. I did the super health training, got that idea. And then, um, uh, maybe a year or so later actually started working on this idea of, well, how are we going to, how, how are we going to do this? Um, so I reached back out to all the people I had done super health with that I connected with who were also in 12 step and, um, was like, Hey, I want to do this thing. Who's in. And so we started doing, um, monthly calls, um, cause everybody was from all over the country yeah. and, um, started just you know, brainstorming, like what, what would this look like? Is Mm -hmm. it a document? Is it, you know, a program? What is this thing? And, um, somewhere along the way, one of the women who was in that project with me was like, Oh, Hey, I know this amazing woman. She has had 30 years of sobriety. She's a Kundalini yoga teacher. Um, 
and I think she has time to help with this. And so mm-hmm. I connected with this woman, Chandra Kiran. She lived in Austin at the time. She's since moved oh. to Colorado like oh, two crazy. months ago. And so she and I um, started meeting regularly over the phone and started pulling together this project. And she um, had been a project manager and had retired. So she just had that like real organized mind. And mm-hmm. I'm organized too, but she pulled me together and like gave me assignments and was like right on this, you know, we had spreadsheets and I was going to ask like, you what your creative process was. Yeah. That, we had I'm all get... over the place and you sent me your thing and it looks like, I'm like, damn, yeah, she needs to be my expander for this. And like, yeah. So being a Capricorn is helpful. Yeah. But then having <clears throat> Chandra Karen, um, with that project management background, you know, that was definitely a godsend. Yeah. Um, and just to feel, because before it had been like me trying to organize everything and wrangle and herd the cats, and now somebody else was herding me. So it was just, it was helpful. Yeah. Um, so our, our meeting notes go back to January 2017. Nice. So it's been three years yeah. that we've pulled this together. Um so it's been a journey since then of um, bringing in uh, what the format of this document is going to be. And um, currently it's 108 pages, which is very cool. Cool. Love it. <laughs> and um, it includes personal stories from people who are um, in recovery and who practice Kundalini Yoga. It includes um, links to kriyas and meditations and mantras and pranayama that we hand selected to go with each of the kriyas, or sorry, with each of the steps. Mm-hmm. And we've brought in um, the 10 bodies. So mm-hmm. step one relates to the first body, the soul body of just like, what is this journey that we're on? And like having a bigger perspective about the soul and, um, and truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. what's the satnam of the situation? Oh, I love it. And yeah, so I took myself through the whole program last year, starting in January. I worked on step one, February oh, step two, cool. and that was my super intense year. So I'm really grateful that I had that support. Yeah, isn't mm-hmm. that crazy? That's it so really cool. Is. I love that. And the and the Kundalini Yoga is such a support to the difficult work of steps. Yeah. Doing a step project is really, <laughs> really hard. It's like digging into the depths. Yeah, yeah. And so to have a mantra that reminds you that, you know, you're the light of the soul yeah. is like, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've got this darkness. I've got this pain and suffering and I've harmed others and I've harmed myself and I've been confused and lost and... There's this other piece too, and let's not forget mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Wow. I, I know I can't wait to look at it more. I kind of scrolled through mm-hmm. it, but I like want to like completely like dive into it. <laughs> so is it gonna be a book? Are you gonna are you gonna have it as a program? Like yeah. what? Yeah. So I can so, so see this that. This is um this is 2020. I've got my my list of goals. Um we got it professionally edited, it's gonna be published. Um Great. we've got a publisher and um and I want to I want to write one last piece, which is um, step four is about making a personal inventory, and um, I want to write a supplement that will support somebody to do step four. And there's this whole other 
curriculum that I developed that's actually going to fit right in really nicely that includes Gudumara's senses of the soul mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Great. the seven difficult emotions. And I've connected those seven different emotions to the seven chakras. Mm-hmm. Um, so for instance, I feel like shame lives particularly at the crown because we feel like we're disconnected and we're not worthy of being connected to the divine. Um, so shame's at the crown, fear is at the root, and I've and and so there's all these beautiful kriyas and meditations mm-hmm. to go with those emotions and yeah. the chakras. Awesome. So that's a piece, you know, maybe that'll be like 20 pages or something, not not a yeah. know, 108 page thing, but a supplement, a step four supplement. Yeah. So I'm writing that. Um, and then the next thing I want to work on is putting together um, a training. So one thing that is happening is um, I've gathered a group of 12 women appropriately, and we're, <laughs> we're meeting once a month and going through each step once a month. And um, so we had our first meeting on Sunday, and oh, cool. we'll meet again in mid-February. And I'm also doing a study um, on them. So I'm working with this woman, Julie Staples, who puts together these um, great online trainings called How Yoga Works. And she's kind of like a meta researcher. She pulls together all the different um, research papers that have been done on yoga and meditation and talks about how, you know, physiologically mm. what happens to your brain when you're yeah, doing left nostril breathing and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, all the scientific stuff, which, which most people want to know. Yeah. Totally. Like I have some friends, they're like, I'm more in the spiritualness mm-hmm. of it all, but I have the friend that's like, but what is that doing? Exactly. You know, they like want to know, which yeah. it is fascinating. It really and, is to like have it validated. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Yogi Bhajan said this thing, but actually it's really true. And like <laughs> exactly. electrodes on people's brains will like show you that that's exactly what's mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I reached out to her and um, said, hey, will you support me in um, – doing some kind of research study on this group of 12 women who I'm taking through. And she was like, yes. And like we oh. set up a zoom call and she, we got it all nailed in. And, um, so yeah, that's happening. Oh, that's so cool. So the idea would be, you know, to have some data to bring to maybe a foundation for mm-hmm. funding. Yeah. Um, yeah, just to have some kind of baseline of like, is this actually useful? You know, we know Kundalini yoga is useful. We know the 12 steps are useful, what happens when you combine the two? Oh, it's going to be so powerful. I mean, I think so. <laughs> I mean, it's just going to be. I have, I don't know. As soon as I saw it again, you're like, I want to focus on this. I was like, oh my gosh, I remember yeah. you talking about yeah. it. And I just, I don't know. I just get a yeah. good energetic yeah. feeling every time I hear about it. I just think it's awesome. I'm, I was not an addict. I married an addict. Uh-huh. I had addict friends. There uh-huh. was addiction in my family. Uh-huh. But even being a person that's, not an addict. Yeah. I'm just so excited about it. Thank you. I think it's going to be great. So Any, the, so yeah, the next ahead. piece that I want to work on is some kind of training where yeah. um, I can, well, one, you know, teach somebody what the project, what the program is and have mm-hmm. them experience it personally, but then also a piece where they can then share it with their mm-hmm. community teach it in classes or Mm -hmm. do the same thing that I'm doing a year through the steps with their community. So Mm -hmm. I definitely see it pulling out um, way beyond me. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, so that might look like an online thing. So there's a whole, um, you know, that world to delve into. Um, And then 
uh, in person as well. So, you know, like the super health trainings are great. You know, people come from all over the world Mm -hmm. and come to New Mexico and do eight days together. And it's really powerful and Mm -hmm. you develop relationships, but not everybody can do that. So it'd be cool to do that as well as something more online than anybody can. Yeah, you can reach so many more people that way for sure. And then the other cool thing that knock on wood, Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, I told you that 2019 was a really hard year. One of the reasons was because um, one of my uncles took his life mm-hmm. and he um, he had mental health issues and addiction issues. And um, that was the second of my uncles to have taken their lives, um, mm-hmm. both on my mom's side of the family. Oh, sorry. Both of her brothers um, shot themselves in the two-year span. Oh, so it really brought up a lot yeah. for me around family trauma and like, what is this darkness that is coming through our lineage and yeah. that is like taking us out? And, um, yeah. Did they suffer some childhood trauma? I don't know. Oh. I mean, my like theory about it is it's there, that side of my family, um, is Russian mm. and, Um, you know, what little I know is there was, you know, abject poverty and actually like starvation. Like Mm. I have a relative that starved to death, you know, in Russia before my family emigrated in like 1917, I think. So just the trauma of like deprivation Mm -hmm. and scarcity and Mm -hmm. the universe, like not providing for us. And then generational thing that it's handed down. It does. It totally does. And someone has to break it. So 2019 was somewhat of me learning that breaking it doesn't look like me saving anybody other than myself. Exactly. Yeah. And self-care and asking for help and like saying no to situations that bring me down. Like I have to be really mindful. That's a hard one of like the energy that I'm getting from a person and like the situations that I put myself around because I, I have been so vulnerable Mm -hmm. and I'm sensitive. You know, I was thinking about that story about being bullied. Like I was a sensitive little kid, you know, and I'm still sensitive. And yeah, that's, that's my son too. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was his dad too. Now that I've, you know, we've, went through all his stuff and we're still really close, but he was a sensitive child too. Mm -hmm. And then I'm getting, I was a sensitive child. I didn't think that everybody's like, Oh, you don't take shit from anybody. You're the hardest working person. I know I'm like, it's was a block. Like I just, that's what you saw. That's not who I really am. And like this last year, I kind of just let that whole wall down Mm -hmm. and I've just been a wreck. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm so sensitive to everything. So yeah, saying no is like such a hard thing. We, I had a good friend that I was talking to the other day and she's a total people pleaser. She can't say no. And like, we talked about it and, but you know, as long as you're aware of it and you know who you are, you know, but yeah, setting those boundaries, is really hard. Well, that's what 2020 is going to be about too. His negative mind, his protective mind is like, no, yeah. I'm going to say no to this. It's not serving me. Yeah. And um, I saw this quote, like, you don't have to set yourself on fire to keep somebody else warm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I love and that. And as healers and, you know, Aquarian beings, like, yeah. yes, we're here to uplift, but if we're drowning, 
then we can't be doing any uplifting. So I know, I know. And that's so important. And there's this other one. If it's not a fuck yes, it's a hell no, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And I always try, I'm like, is this a fuck yes? (laughs) 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 So yeah, that's always a good one to remember Mm -hmm. too. It's like, yeah. So anyway, I started this whole conversation or that piece because um, this uncle who took his life in April, um, uh, had some money and it's coming to my mom and, um, she's wanting to help support this KY 12 project. That's awesome. So I'm going to have some funding to put into creating a training or paying myself to write that supplement or Mm -hmm. just having some support. So it's Uh not like, you know, deprivation, like just trying to do the very best I can with the very least, you know, that's been like the family, um, programming. So like, no, the universe wants to support this project and I can receive that. And that just feels really miraculous. See, it's already changing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it is. (laughs) That's so great. It is. So that just came, came online on Monday, like this week I got that information. So that just feels like a wahigaru. You know, coming up with a little budget of like, all right, so I have some resources to put into this. And it also means I don't have to just do it on my own. Like starting my own yoga studio, everything was on my own. Like I couldn't afford to pay anybody. So I just had to figure it out myself. That's me right now. I do everything. I edit. I do all the music on my own. I don't know if it's an only child thing though too. Because like I just Uh really dive in on my own and it's hard for me to ask for help too. I'll just, I just want to do it and I want to figure it out and I want to, that's how I learn. Um, but yeah, I'm in that boat right now. I'm doing everything on my own and it's been really hard, but at the same time, I think that's where I need to be. Mm -hmm. I need to experience Mm -hmm. it, but yeah, I'm looking into the future and Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I need to let go a team. Yeah. Or like, a person. Yeah. A partner. <laughs> a partner. Yeah. I haven't been able to find that, um, in Denver. I have like so many friends in Austin, you mm. know, but in Denver, I haven't found that mm. like connection with anybody that I'd want to partner up with yet. Mm-hmm. Yet. So yeah, Denver has been, I live on my Pluto line. Denver is my okay. Pluto line. Oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> It's been really, really hard. So Denver's kind of been wanting to spit me out, but Uh I've been trudging through. I've been trudging through and I'm like, okay, here I am. What, what do you have for me next? Like it's been pretty crazy, but yeah. So being singular is like the theme for me right now. And it's weird because I've never, I've always been like, with someone in a relationship, I've always had lots of friends. So it's been different to kind of be on my yeah. own. I mean, I have my little family, but I'm still like doing a lot of things solo and it's really yeah. different, but yeah. I, it's kind of cool. I'm embracing it right now. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, <clears throat> you go girl and you'll <laughs> learn what you need to learn from it. And for me, I learned that as much as it's hard, like I just had this business that fell apart because I was with a partner that we just weren't well suited and mm-hmm. we were in different states and just yeah. different perspectives. And, and I had to end up saying no to that. That was one of the things that had to die last year. Mm-hmm. And it was hard because I'd put so much mm-hmm. love and attention and energy into to think about losing it. But 
you know, that whole idea, like you say no to something so that you can really say yes Yes. to the things that are going to serve you. And, um, and then this partnership feels much more in flow and Mm -hmm. she's a teacher and she's sober and she's a support to me instead of, I felt like I was in this weird dynamic before where I was like trying to support somebody else's vision. And, you know, that's great, but that's maybe not what I'm supposed to be doing yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. need to be in support of my own vision and get support to do that. Yeah, so, um, yeah. So that's a shift for me and thinking that I deserve it and this project is worthy and, you know, it can definitely all bring up stuff. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And this whole idea of like the popular kids and, you know, there's all these like <laughs> other people who are doing recovery and yoga work and they all have this big name and everybody thinks they're so awesome. And so I'm, you know, who am I? I'm just this woman lives in Longmont, Colorado that like has this idea. And so it's going to bring up that stuff for me that oh, yeah, comparing yourself. Mm-hmm. That's a huge thing that I yeah. always bring up. I'm like, try not to compare yourself, but I did it the other day. And I got jealous the other day for the first time in a long time. I was just like, my friend was like, Oh, jealousy. And I was like, I don't get jealous anymore. And I was like, wait, I did the mm-hmm. other day and it was really weird. And I was like, why do I feel so jealous? But it was just whatever it was, that little thing, that was that one part where I just don't have my Mm -hmm. self worth Mm -hmm. built up for whatever reason. So yeah, it brings up all that stuff. And I, I know I, and there's, but I always remember Yogi Bhajan saying there's room for everyone. And I, always try to remind myself that because with life coaching, everybody's a life coach now. Right. Well, at least I feel like that. But you know, also when you're in industry, because you're in that industry, you You seem like everybody's into it. But for someone that's not in that industry, they don't know anybody that's doing that, you know? So you have to remind yourself that It's the same with online training. I'm like, oh my God, there's 8 million online trainings out there and I'm just going to be one of 8 million and how's anybody going to find me? But someone will. So people will. Yeah. I know it's so hard to think that. And I remember when I used to do hair, my hairstylist at the time, cause I was kind of like more alternative, like punk rock, but I worked at a really fancy hair salon and I assisted over some, he was the owner and he had all these like, you know, clients that thought I was weird. <laughs> and, but I loved doing pretty hair. Like I wanted <laughs> punk rock hair, but I wanted to make your hair look mm-hmm. pretty. But mm-hmm. I was like, how am I going to do that? I don't want to give up who I am. Yeah. But he was like, you will attract the people that are like you, like you will find them and they will come to you. Like you will just attract them. And like, it's been that way through everything. And I always yeah. try to remember that yeah. too. Yep. I agree. And there, it's not going to be for everybody. The steps aren't for everybody. No. Certainly Kundalini Yoga isn't for everybody. No. <laughs> so I'm narrowing down, but that's okay. Like I can reach some people and it'll really be helpful. Yeah. And that's but good. I think Kundalini, Kundalini is rising. I think it's becoming more the thing to do. Yeah. If not more hip. I yeah. hate saying that word, but yeah. Um, I see it like with the classes I go to, more people are coming, more people are, t- more men. I see nice. more men in the classes because if, if anybody hasn't been to a Kundalini yoga class, it's a lot of women, but I've been seeing more men, which is awesome. So I think, I think it'll have its heyday yeah. soon. It'll come, it'll come up. Anything else you want to add to that? It's such a good idea. And I think it's going to be so amazing. 
Yeah, I think just that I'm open to support and collaboration. And if people, um, you know, want to bring it to the town they live in or, you know, it's going to have to ripple out. And this is a we program, as we say in 12 steps, like this is definitely not about me. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely not about me, like becoming this big ego and personality. Like that's just not who I am. I don't get that from you at all. (laughs) Yeah. Collaboration and like share it and like help people. Yeah. And so I'm not going to fit into like, yeah, the, the big image guru like thing that people do. That stuff really turns me off. I know. Um, I rolled my eyes earlier (laughs) when she mentioned it. Yeah. So it's not my style and I'm definitely about, um, let's all work on this together. Yeah. And staying true to the teachings. Yeah. You know, I struggle sometimes like, do I want to wear a turban when I teach Mm -hmm. on my videos? You know, just the small stuff like that. But I think when it came down to it, I'm like, yes, I respect Mm -hmm. the traditions Mm -hmm. and there's Mm -hmm. a reason why Mm -hmm. they're there. And, you know, I can always give it my own, my own thing, but staying true. There's a lot of, um, I think in the last episode we were talking about mixers, (laughs) you know, people mixing too. I'm always like very judgmental about that. I try not to be because everybody does their own thing or has their own reason for whatever, but in Kundalini yoga, you have to stay true to the teachings and, and that's, how they help so deeply yeah. is because the way they were yeah. taught and and we have approval from KRI and yeah I was going to ask you uh-huh. if it was, and, and awesome. we have approval from the World Services which is the twelve step organization oh, that's so great and all of the kriyas are online so you don't have to actually have a physical book um, it just it's a link to the library of teachings yeah. yeah and so again that's like collaboration like why reinvent the wheel it's just all already out there. Like this is the information age. Like it's all at everybody's fingertips. It's just a matter of putting it into a certain format so that it's more usable. Because if you tell somebody, yeah, go find a Kriya online. It's like, what, (laughs) you know, like what one, there's a thousand. Yeah. Yeah. That's overwhelming for people. But yeah. Do do this Kriya about step one. Oh, okay. I can do that. And you're supporting the library of teachings too. That's Mm -hmm. great. I love that. Well, what you're doing is beautiful. And thank you. I can't wait for it to be out. Well, let's do a little shift. Okay. Um, So I always, I ask everybody these questions. Um, So what Kriya or meditation are you doing currently? So I am finishing up a thousand day meditation. Ooh, I love it. The first one I've ever done. Wow. And, um, so I'll be done March 20th and it is the Ramadasa meditation, but your hands are interlaced in front of your chest and the palms are down. So it's very like self-healing focused versus this version that healing tends to be else, more yeah. about like sending it out. So it's been a healing journey. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> All of the crap coming up to be healed. And I just sit with myself every day and chant that mantra to myself and um, pray for healing. Great. I love that. I've never done that one before. Yeah, I had never heard of it. Um, but there's this woman, um, Ekon Karkar, who... Mm-hmm. Um, she does the 
G. She does. Yeah. yeah, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've included actually in the Embodying the 12 Steps manual, her translation of Japji. We, oh, we I have chose that. Yeah. Um, 12 puris to go one with each step. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So that's at the end of the manual. We got her permission to use her translations. So anyway, she started this thing, Thousand Days of Healing. Um, in June of 2017, I guess. And um, I was like, yeah, I want to do that. I've never done a thousand day. I never have. And um, she actually stopped doing it, um, but I keep going. You've done it. That's awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's so, awesome. So I don't know what'll come next. Yeah. Um, that'll be, I don't know whether I'm going to be like, okay, on to the next thousand day or I'm going to take a little take break. A break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It always depends. I don't count anymore. I just mm-hmm. kind of go. I know I probably do things for a really long time. I did. I I chanted Japji for a year mm-hmm. straight. Mm-hmm. I did that, and then I hadn't listened to it for a really long time. And this morning, I put it on, and it felt so good. Yeah, I was like, I need to just play this every day again. Yeah. Um, and I thought I'd forget a lot of things, but I it all it just came all right back. There. Yeah, it all just came back. I was like, Oh my god, I love this. Um, I guess that was probably the longest I've done something, mm, but I'll switch. Is. I'll be really into something and then just something else will come in. And I'm like, wait, I'm going to do that. <laughs> so right now I'm doing, um, had, 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 guru, oh. uh, how to get through any block. Okay. I've been doing that one for quite a while. I'm like, is that for mind and meditation? That book? I don't know what I got that it. It looks familiar. It's in one of the books. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which one it is. I don't know where I got it from though, but it wasn't looking through one of my books. Um, I don't even know where it came up from, but I was like, ah, that's it. That's what that I've got to do. <laughs> so yeah. I've been doing that nice. one. Then I've been doing hot oh, yeah. for prosperity. Nice. Um, what is your favorite mantra? Do you have a okay. favorite one? So yeah, um, I was thinking about that. There's so many good ones. Um, I, know. I you can have a couple. I <laughs> say, um, well, the Adi Shakti, mm-hmm. Namo Namo, that's uh, definitely <laughs> up there. Um, that's where the whole idea for um, my yoga studio came from and it's the divine feminine and it's very powerful. I've used it to manifest some powerful things. Mm -hmm. So that's that's one of my favorite right up there. Um, Guru Guru Wahi Guru Guru Ram Das Guru is on my kata. That's what I have too. Oh, nice. (laughs) Kata sisters. Um, So Guru Ram Das, just this energy of healing and blessing and protection and um, I went to the Golden Temple in 2014 and just had oh. such a powerful experience there. And so that one's really close to my heart. Um, and then Odd Good Anime, I'd say, mm-hmm. is another one. I use that all the time. It's gotten me out of some really terrible situations. It's so good. It's so good. Harvey and I have started doing it right before he goes to school. He's been having... um. He's you know, he just has the anxiety about going to school. Mm. So we do it in the car. Good. <laughs> he knows so it, great. all the words now. And I'm like, just do your odd good anime. Yeah. Like, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's been good. Yeah. And like, I do it to get parking spaces. I don't know if that's bad, <laughs> but I'm like, come on. And then I'm like, odd good anime. And then I'll, I'll get one. It's so weird. It's like, I've used it for things I like that. It. Or when I'm late, running late, I'm like, odd mm-hmm. good anime. <laughs> I've used it. My favorite story with that one is um, I was at women's camp and we were at Ojo Caliente and I decided to take a little hike up into the hills behind the hot springs. And um, I didn't tell anybody that I was going and I was just wearing like my bathing suit and a sarong and some flip flops. And I started getting some really weird feelings, like 
I shouldn't be doing this, but I like kept going. I was like, no, I want to keep going. And all of a sudden I rounded this little corner and there was a rattlesnake right in the middle of the path. And I freaked out because I mean, one, it's a rattlesnake, but two, I am like hysterically, insanely afraid of snakes. Me too. So I ran down the path screaming. And then I was like, oh my God, how am I going to get back? Because it's sitting there in the middle of the path. And I like tried to like get a stick and kind of wave it. And it just like raised oh my God, up at me. And so my only option was to walk through the like brush. Where there's more. Where there's a ton more. <laughs> and so I, the first thought was, I'm just going to die here. Oh, that was no. the first option. <laughs> and of course, like the thunder was coming in and like, I knew the bus was going to be leaving and taking all the women and nobody knew where I was. And so first option was die. Second option was start chanting, yelling, odd good anime, really loud. So I started just stomping through the brush and yelling, odd good anime. And it gave me the courage and just some sense of protection. And then I found this other path and made my way and like made my way down the hill. And right at the bottom of the hill when you got back to Oho, there was a woman and, um, I told her, like, I just had the most amazing experience. And she was like, yeah, I was thinking of going for a hike, but then I heard that there's a mountain lion. Oh. <laughs> You're like, great. I was worried about the little snake. Oh, my God. That's awesome. So I really should have listened to my intuition, but I got a good story out of it. And Odd Good Anime is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the best one. Best one ever. Okay. Um, if you could recommend a person, a video, a book or just anything that's inspired and really changed your spiritual journey, what would you recommend? Oh, well, I love Autobiography of a Yogi. I've read it probably like 10 times. Yeah, that was my, it's my go-to. Me, me too. <laughs> it's so comforting. And I, I read that during my divorce, actually. Mm. Every night I would read that. And it just was like this gentle, loving, <sighs> everything's going to be okay. I need to get... I keep giving mine away. Uh-huh. I need to get another one. Yeah. I should read it again. Yeah. So that's so great. Um, yeah, I'll just leave it there. Yeah, that's a good one. That's <laughs> the best one. <laughs> that was Rich's too. Uh-huh. Um, okay. And um, what is your morning routine? Like, what is your sadhana like? What else do you do? Like- okay. So, um I always have a, a warm-up set that I just do every day. I just created it for myself. It's just getting all parts of my body, um, and that takes about 20 minutes or so. And then I do my Ramadasa thousand-day meditation, and then starting January 1st, um, I did. I started a 40-day. Um, it's called Strengthening Your Intuitive Projection, mm-hmm. and um, it uses the Mangala Chadan um, mm-hmm. by Satkiran Kar, and uh, and you're <laughs> you're imagining that you're out in the middle of the ocean and it's dark, and you can't see the land, but you know that it's somewhere there, and you huh. have to use your intuitive knowing. And you actually, the whole Kriya is your swimming. Oh, I've never seen that I one. I know. I hadn't either before. She just, she's doing like a little 40 day yeah. thing. So I joined in and the class that I teach here at my house, um, we're doing it in that class. So we do it every, um, oh, cool. every class and yeah, it's been really powerful to like think about kind of clearing away blocks mm-hmm. and strengthening the arc line. Cause you're mm-hmm. like working right through the arc lines. Yeah. And, um, and like 
what's your heart's desire, you know, and let, like, let that longing to like create or manifest or connect, like guide you Mm -hmm. and just really strengthening your sense of guidance. I like that one. Mm -hmm. I'll have to look it up and see if I can find it. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's pretty much it. So I don't do the Aquarian sauna. I did for many years. It's so and, hard. Um, I just, it doesn't call to me right now. Yeah. I'm sure I'll get back to it. I, I go through phases. Mm-hmm. I haven't done um, it in a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I make sauna work for me. Yeah. Yeah. And what else do you take? Do you do Ishnans? Do you take cold showers? I do not. You don't. I just started doing it again and Good it's really you. awesome. I feel like it has helped my tendonitis. I had really oh, bad tendonitis cool. this last, just this last winter. And I'm like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? Cause I'm like in these writing classes and I'm like, I can't oh, write, wow. I can't do anything. And I was like, I don't know, someone, this one girl that I did my Kundalini training with. She, oh, she's the other person that I mm. interviewed. And, um, she just, oh, her skin always looks so good. And she just looks all glowy all the time. And she takes, it's, she does it every day. It's so brave. My husband manifested a free hot tub in the backyard. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, in the summer, we'll have it be cold. And yeah, dunk in it, put some ice in exactly. it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it's hard. It's so hard. Like, I'm always like, oh, my God. But I feel, I just feel so good mm-hmm. afterwards. I've been cool. really into good it. for you. Um, and what what is like your do you eat breakfast before um, or after or? yeah oh after yeah um yeah the whole food thing has been such a, a journey like the last <laughs> couple of years of like putting on weight and being really self-conscious and hating my body and trying to and like starving myself but then the starving myself I realized triggered all of the like the family trauma around not having oh, enough food yeah and so that that's when the depression was the worst this mm. past year was when I was I was actually at summer solstice and I wasn't eating the kitchery because it had rice in it so I was literally like subsisting on salad oh yeah and beets and it's hot out and you're and, probably just feeling awful and I would like play this game with myself and be like well I'm not going to eat until dinner and so I can just get really extreme with myself mm-hmm. around food. And I'm think, sure it's all linked in with yeah. the, the trauma. So it is. And I think a, all of us women have that like body dysmorphia. I mean, I've had body dysmorphia for like, I'll look in the mirror and I think I'm bigger than I am. But mm-hmm. then I look back at pictures of me in high school and I'm like, I was cute and I was so tiny. And like, I didn't feel that yeah. way. Yeah. And it's like so weird. And, um, yeah. And just things people say to you, my grandma was very like, you know, you always have to look good and that that whole thing. Yeah. So I think, yeah, becoming, you know, getting into this menopause thing and, um, entering the queen phase of life, you know, and I'm just like, I'm just going to wear what I want. I'm going to wear like baggy things and just like, have them flow and like eat what I want to eat. <laughs> well, you know what helped for me? I was being kind of weird last year too with food and I I I can get on those like diet trends mm-hmm. too, like oh keto and Yes. My husband did keto, so I got on that bandwagon and it turns out it's really bad for women <laughs> going through menopause. Oh. Of course. Yeah, because uh, we we need the grains and, mm-hmm. like, the grounding and to just live on, like, fat and protein. and Yeah, no. 
No. I mean, I, I, I tried it. And, oh, and my cholesterol went way up. Like, my doctor was like, we need to put you on anti you know, lowering. Like, I'm no. like, no, I'm just going to stop doing keto. Yeah. So, and I, I can get all weird like that, too. And I just get obsessive with yeah. whatever. But I just started eating intuitively. Like, sometimes I eat breakfast. Sometimes I don't eat yeah. breakfast. I intermittent yeah. fast. Sometimes yeah. I eat a bag of popcorn <laughs> yeah. with chocolate. Totally. Sometimes I eat super healthy and I make everything and it's like yeah. super vegan and plant-based. And then sometimes I eat cheese. Uh-huh. Like, and I just let myself do it without any guilt. And I felt like the pounds like kind of just came off because nice. I wasn't focusing mm-hmm. on it or obsessing about it. You know, like it's like working, working out and what you're eating and eating. And you're like constantly always thinking about, it. I just kind of let it go. And yeah. I'm like, I'm going to eat what I want and I'm not going to feel guilty about yeah. it. And so now when other people are so like yeah. anal about it, I'm just like, that must suck. <laughs> <laughs> Been there. Yeah. I'm like, that just sucks. Just let yeah. it go. Yeah. So yeah, cool. it's, and I think, and it's mostly women. I know men struggle with it too, but it's, mo- it's mostly women. I think it's all women at some point in their yeah. life. They struggle with that. So, um, little shift. Oh, this is a good one. What is your advice for someone who wants to start their own holistic business? Well, I've started two and one is still going. The other I let go of. Um, that one that's still going has morphed a lot and shape-shifted. And um, I remember telling people in the beginning, it felt like there was an elephant riding on my back. And then at a certain point, I climbed on the elephant's back and let it oh, do the, <laughs> you know, the walking yeah. for me. So in the beginning, yeah, it's going to be way overwhelming and way out of your comfort zone. And mm-hmm so much to learn and feel like you're incompetent and don't know what you're doing and everybody else knows what they're doing. And, and that's just part of the growth process. Mm -hmm. And if you stick with it, that's another thing. Like, um, you know, right from the very beginning, I knew I had to teach noon classes and I just taught noon classes five days a week for a long time. Then I went down to four and then three, and now I'm at two, Mm -hmm. but I've kept those like Tuesday, Thursday, noon classes since like 2012. That's awesome. So, you know, and they're not huge, but I'm consistent and I keep showing up and people keep showing up. And so I think it's like, yeah, we have that tendency of like, oh, it's not working. I'm going to give it up and try something else. That's me. (laughs) Well, and sometimes that's true. Like this isn't working. I'm going to give it up and try something else. Mm -hmm. And then other times it's like, no, this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. You all can show up or not, but this is what I'm doing. And so knowing Having the knowing. And what helped you through that? Do you think it's meditation, having a daily practice? Well, definitely um, meditation and and guidance. Like when we're meditating deeply, we get really good inner guidance. Mm -hmm. Or just asking for it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've been asking for it. I'm like, you could just ask for it. Yeah. This is so cool. And then you have to listen and and trust what you hear. Like it says in Japchi, like those who listen deeply and trust what they hear, Mm -hmm. that's where all the blessings come Mm -hmm. from. Yeah. So those are, those are some hard things. Yeah. Asking, listening and acting on what you hear is, um, you know, a lot of people fall apart on one of those. Mm -hmm. 
So, um, and then obviously having something that is just your passion, your Mm -hmm. life's work, like whether you're going to get paid for it or not, you're going to do it because that's what, what else would you do? Yeah. I think if it's a holistic business, it's probably going to be a passion. (laughs) Right. I mean, you couldn't like make that up, you know, it has to be from an authentic place. Yeah. 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 And being your authentic self as well is a huge thing. Cause I think when you compare yourself to others, you may be, I brought this up in the last episode, I think too, like sometimes you end up copying and you may not be aware of it, but you're not being your true authentic mm-hmm. self and it's not right. going to work if that's what you're doing. Right. So you just got to put your own thing to it. And, and all of those like, Oh, pay us a lot of money and we'll teach you how to like get a six figure business or whatever. And I don't know. I just never believed those things. One, I never had money to pay for it. But two, I just was like, no, I'm going to trust my intuition mm-hmm. and figure it out on my own. And yeah. um, that yeah. was my choice. Yeah. Those things, I know. It's like buying followers on Instagram. Right. It's Ugh. like I, I wanted to interview somebody and they were like, well, how many? Uh-huh. She was like a bigger person. Yeah. And, you know, it was just I was I was proud of myself for even asking. Um. Uh-huh. But they were like, how many Instagram yeah. followers do you have? Yeah. And I was like, like a hundred. Like, And then I was like, I'm going to go buy those just God. so I don't look like a loser. Oh, but I didn't. I didn't. Because I was yeah. like, no, yeah. I don't want to do They're yeah. fake people. I want to yeah. actually interact with people. Yeah. And definitely. So that kind of lit the fire under my butt to like be more interactive on social media, which is, it's lame, but that's the way the world is doing it now. And it's paid off. Like me being consistent and showing up. It's like, I've noticed there's been some like, I mean, I don't have that many followers still and I don't care. I don't care. But they, but that was that like self-worth thing for a second. It made me feel less than, and I had to be like, no, I'm not just because I don't have like 26 million followers. So yeah, I've had it. I went Mm -hmm. up and down with that and pulled myself back up being authentic. Yep. (laughs) all right um what book are you currently reading um are you reading like more than one book yeah all us yogis (laughs) like my bedside table has like 12 books piled up that's how I am um yeah I mean honestly uh, what what I've been working on as far as um, media is getting myself off of um the news I've been, I've done that for a while. I mean, I don't even know what's going on with the presidential mm-hmm. candidacy. I need to like mm-hmm. really, I mean, I know some, who I like, yeah. so I don't really care. That's kind of how I am too. And I'll do some research, but yeah. I, I'm yeah. the same way with the news. So that kind of like, I have to be really careful about what I feed myself media wise. So I've replaced listening to Rachel Maddow and NPR with, um, listening to these great uh, podcasts by my friend Kenlyn Colleen. She's doing a Divine Feminine Summit right now. And it's oh, cool. like some crazy thing. Like she interviewed like 20 women or something. Oh, wait, something. I think I signed up to her email. Yeah. 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 So I've been listening to those because they're only there for 48 hours. Yeah. Oh, so, I couldn't catch up. So you have to like get right in there. So I've been, that's been a discipline actually is to like, instead of turning on Rachel Maddow is like, oh no, I need to catch up with yeah. that latest goddess. Yeah. Talk. They were all the goddesses. Yeah. I loved it. So, um, I missed the, uh, Guru Ratanas though. Oh, I know. I didn't see that oh, one either. I was so bummed. I know me too. Uh, I think maybe Kenlyn said they're going to replay that one or something. Oh, that would be awesome. 
Um, so, so yeah, that's kind of mainly what I'm focusing on as far as inputting information um, and going on a little bit of a cleanse from the news because mm-hmm. it's just so negative and upsetting and it just pulls me into polarity and I need to be focused. Mm. Me too. I just go down that word. Like even the Kobe Bryant thing, Mm -hmm. which at first I was like, I'm not into basketball. That's sad. But then I like looked it up and I haven't been in the sports world in like years, like known anything about it. I don't date people that are into sports. And like, I didn't realize how big of a person he was and like a legacy. And so that kind of bummed me out because I was like, oh, he was like a really special person. And then of course, when there's a child involved too, I'm like, oh my gosh. And so, yeah, that I have to be real sensitive too about what I put. And your mind too, even like watching shows, I love watching Netflix. Mm -hmm. I love like watching shows and I used to love horror movies, but your subconscious doesn't know that that's real or not. So I've really had to, and after I had Harvey, I couldn't watch that Mm -hmm. stuff anymore anyways, but you know, there's still so much projection on the screen and you have to be really careful what goes in. (laughs) So then the other thing I do with my free time is I knit. So I picked up knitting a couple of years ago and, um, working on a blanket right now. Um, that will be donated to women coming out of prison. Um, oh, I'm going to start volunteering with um, an organization called the Reentry Initiative here in Longmont that works with women who are just coming out of prison and like getting them settled and with support. And so I'm doing a, a volunteer training on Monday and I don't know what I'll do exactly with them, but I'm yeah. hoping that I could do some of this embodying the 12 steps with them. Yeah. So then on the side, I'm also making a, a blanket to give to somebody. That's um, so awesome. Your Seva yeah. is like on par. That was another thing. I'm like, I need to up my Seva. Like I need to volunteer. I keep saying, and then it's never the right time. I just, you know, the excuses, but someone was like, this is your Seva. I'm like, yeah, but yeah, no, well, it is. I mean, it is, but yeah. I want to do more. I want to uh-huh. do like what you're doing. I mean, that sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to add I to think, our conversation or anything else great. you're into? Mm, no. I mean, yes, and I think you've had enough of me. (laughs) (laughs) Never. (laughs) Well, let's, um, where can everyone find you? So um, should I give my personal email address? Whatever you want to do, you can do just the website or if you're on any social media. So my email is rachel.zelaya, it's R-A-C-H-E-L dot Z-E-L-A-Y-A at gmail.com. That Z is in zebra. And then the website is adishakticenter.com. And um, I'm on Facebook too. And um, Embodying the 12 Steps is on Facebook if you just look for that. We don't have a website yet, but it's coming. And um, yeah, I think that's how you find that's me. That's it. Well, and I work with people... Um, over Zoom or Skype so we can do long distance um, or here I have a home studio in Longmont and um, yeah excited to see where KY12 wants to come out into the world. Yay I'm so happy and I'll keep yeah. everybody updated. Thank awesome. you so Thank much you, for Naomi. doing this. Satnam. Satnam. <laughs> Thank you.
Thank you for joining us today. And if you like this episode and this podcast, please subscribe to Aquarian Living and leave us a review. We would love to hear from you and hope you join us for the next episode.